uh sweet yeah what's up guys welcome back to star mindsets we are back after a month of uh taking care of ourselves getting vaccinated and uh just uh focusing on ourselves but super excited today to talk to Safa Mazari. Safa is calling uh, our guest today and he's calling in from San Diego. Um, and shout out to Farshad uh, Yousefi for, for the introduction to Safa. Um, you know, Farshad had mentioned that Safa is a great person to talk to in regards to, you know, just content creation and, you know, overall the, the hustle and entrepreneurship uh, lifestyle is something that Safa breathes. And today we're just gonna chat about how he perceives uh, goal setting and and kind of just making the needle move um, within his company Aluxo and uh, some past experiences as well. Um, Safa, thank you so much for coming on. Dan, Earl, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Uh, I think, you know, the best way to kick it out is just, uh, can you tell us about um, your company Aluxo and, you know, your, your life as a CEO and, and founder for, for there? Yeah, absolutely. Let me jump to the past experience that kind of led me to Alexa and then happy to talk about it. Awesome. So I was an associate working at a venture capital firm. I um, was very lucky to kind of get that role. I know they don't come up very often. We were looking at business to business software companies and writing checks between eight and $15 million. So I was kind of on the team that evaluated startups, reviewed decks, reviewed financials, and then really dug into the details to make sure that the market, the product, the team, the pricing, the customers, all of it made sense before investing a lot of money. Um, and you can imagine a big part of my job was looking at financials and looking at data that companies gave us. And I basically ran into the same problem over and over again, which is people would send us their materials and then I would send them emails to clarify. And it became obvious that either they didn't know the right metrics to track or they knew the right metrics to track, but they didn't know how to actually do the calculations. So I'd be staring at an Excel sheet and I would find mistakes and typos and miscalculations and I would correct them. Um, and you see it like twice and you're like, ah, maybe it's a fluke. You see it 50 times and you're like, okay, uh, maybe there's something here. And then I remember calling a colleague of mine who lives in New York and he worked at a much later stage fund. So he was in, he, they were writing $50 million checks whereas we were writing $5 million checks. And I said, hey, do you see the same problem? Like, is financial reporting difficult for you? Do you have a hard time getting the data from portfolio companies? Do you have a hard time helping them improve these metrics? And he was like eight out of 10 portfolio companies, even at our stage struggle with this. So I'm sitting here like, okay, this has to be a real problem. And one thing I wanna make very clear is yeah. that when I left my job and when I started Aluxo, I was obsessed with solving that problem. I didn't have a team. I didn't have a product in mind. I'm not a designer. I'm not a product manager. I'm not technical. I was just like, this is a problem I can sink my teeth into for 10 or 20 years. And I think it's really important because a lot of founders, they're very good at sales and they're very charismatic. So what happens is they fall in love with their own delusions. And <laughs> I was very clear to be like, I love this problem. I don't even know the product or the team composition or if we're ever going to raise money. None of that mattered. The first thing I did when I left to start my own company was to interview hundred people and just show them a PowerPoint presentation I made and get feedback to make sure that they had the same data problem to make sure we were looking at the world the same way. So I'll kind of pause there. Does, does that all yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, at such a young age, you know, uh, not too many people think of uh, asking a hundred people or so about a, a problem um, and in really being diligent about that. Like, did you, did you um, plan on just talking to as many people as you could or like did someone say to do that or like yeah how did, how did you realize that 
that was the it's best a, first step or something like that? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know where it came from. I think part of it came from myself and I think part of it came from consuming a lot of content around the ecosystem. Um, I was very fortunate to get plugged into like the Verge and TechCrunch very early. I was very early into using Slack as a product and getting into different Slack communities. Even when I was working at other companies, I was kind of plugged in. Um, I remember when Product Hunt came out, I thought it was the best thing ever because <laughs> I would randomly Google SaaS companies um, and I just have a spreadsheet that I just track them in, like for no reason other than like personal interest. And like, I love software, which is a very strange sentence, but it's true. So I was always like, I have so many ideas that I don't really value the ideas. Like I probably have given ideas to people and say like, please go start this company because I don't have the time. The, the key for me was that validation piece. And I'll be very honest, I started my company. So I incorporated and I'm sitting working from home and we have nothing. Like I don't even know how to make a website. And I, mm -hmm. I almost half expected people to reach out to me to be like, whatever you're selling, I want to buy it. And once like two weeks of that happens and nobody contacts you, like nobody cares, right? When you start a company, it's so irrelevant to everyone else. <laughs> then you're like, oh, I really have to go build this. And my way of building it, I didn't want to go raise a seed round and hire a team. I really wanted to figure out the product direction. Because like I said, I love the problem, but I didn't have that line of sight to what the product was just yet. I just knew that if I didn't start the company now, I'd get into a I basically get comfortable at my job and I'd start to make more money and I would just never leave. So I was like, I have to leave right now. I have to figure this out. And this is something that really lines up with my personality too. So I think people talk about product market fit a lot. Like does the product fit the market? I don't think enough people talk about founder market fit. Like does sure. the founder fit the market? Does the founder fit the idea? Um, so I guess it's kind of a non-answer, but it was a combination of like knowing about startups in the industry and realizing nobody cared to reach out to me. So I had to do cold outreach to them, to friends, yeah. colleagues, whoever, in order to like get this idea out there and get people talking about it. Hey, Safa, um, you know, a lot of our, our, our listeners in the podcast are, are struggling with this question. It just, you know, when do I leave? Uh, I, I seem passionate about this. I see that there's a direction here. The market seems okay, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of cushy in what I'm doing, or I'm just scared of leaving kind of my current role. What was the thought process in your mind when you did that? And, 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 you know, how attractive, I guess, was the market to you in your mind, or at least what factors in your mind said, you know what, I'm okay to leave what I had before and to be in this uncomfortable space of having, you know, maybe weeks on end of doubting yourself and saying, Hey, is someone really calling me now? Uh, tell us more about that experience. Cause that's literally where the point of kind of rubber meets the road, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll caveat my answer by saying, I know that I'm abnormal in this respect. Like I worked at a venture fund and it was pretty clear to me that if I just put my head down for 10 years, I could make two or $300,000 a year and I could work not nine to five, but maybe eight to six. Um, so I knew that opportunity was right in front of me. I think most people would define that as success. To, to me, it always has to be about something bigger. And I know that I don't really perceive risk the way the average person does. Um, I'll give you a quick example. My entire public stock portfolio is 100% in Tesla. I don't, I don't do diversity. I do a bunch of risk and I take long-term bets that typically pan out, but I know that's not what people should do. So when I left my job, I was basically like, I love this idea. I've been thinking about it compulsively for weeks on end. I know I want to start a company. I know I want it to be B2B SaaS let's go because all of this lines up for me. I didn't really say like, 
how much runway do I have? Or, you know, what's the risk or how long can I go without paying myself? I had some savings, but, you know, I basically figured out very quickly I have to do consulting to pay bills because otherwise it doesn't work. Um, But the advice I give entrepreneurs now and the way I wish I thought about it is don't leave until there's clear traction. And when I say traction, a lot of people jump to MVP, users, revenue, all of those things. I think that's a couple of steps too far down the road. What I wish I had done was built a personal brand and maybe started a blog around KPIs and SaaS and analytics and data and just done that on the weekends and just published two pieces of content a week and start to get an email list and some traffic and start to get that flywheel going and then started to survey those people and be like, do you have any interest in this product? Or put a landing page up and see how many emails I can capture, how many book demos I can sign up. And by the way, I've done this so many times. I have websites or in the past, we had websites that say book demo and there's no team to provide the demo. I just want to see like, will people cross that hurdle, right? So my advice now is stay at your job longer, save the money longer, show that you can build traction and that momentum will let you recruit co-founders, recruit a core team, you know, get investors, whatever you need, you'll get it if you show momentum. Don't feel like you have to take this really big leap and then like bet the farm. I don't think that works because it kind of puts you into a pressure cooker. Sure. Yeah, I like that answer. And, and uh, just the fact that, uh, that um, there's, there's more, more than one way to, to try something out and maybe take baby steps and, and figure out, you know, what's happening until, until you really decide it's a good way to start for sure. Yeah. And if you like it, a lot of people fall in love with the idea of entrepreneurship and being on the cover of magazines. And all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Right. But like that, that's not what it's like. Like go build a website on Squarespace and publish content for three months. And if you hate it, you probably shouldn't, you know, you should, you should either shouldn't start a company or you shouldn't use that as your marketing strategy because you can't uh, do it consistently. For sure. What, 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 uh, going into like your writing, um, you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. a pretty, what's it called? A uh, regular blogger. Um, what keeps you motivated to, to blog? And is it, um, you know, maybe you blog, like you put out a post and, and it maybe doesn't create the reaction or response that you want. How do you like, I guess, continue the, the rinse and repeat process for that? Yeah. How do you keep going? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. So um, I've kind of naturally gravitated towards writing. Even as a kid, I'm very curious Um, I was super annoying when I was younger because I would just ask, why are things the way they are, like incessantly? And that never really left. So when I'm reading content, could be, you know, something someone posts posts on social or it could be blog, someone links to me or an email. I'm constantly asking myself, like, why? Not like, what does the term mean? Because I ask myself that question. But I also ask, like, why did they write it this way? What are they trying to communicate to me? What would I change about this if I was the author instead of them? And I realized that's not normal. And the real, the, the kind of light bulb, the moment the light bulb went off for me was I'm sitting at home and I'm watching TV and there's just a commercial on TV. And I kind of just say out loud, oh, I don't know why the director shot it this way. It doesn't make any sense. This is not like a conclusion <laughs> that, that fits. And it's a 30 second ad clip. And the people sitting on the couch next to me are like, are you watching this advertisement from the perspective of someone who made it instead of a consumer watching an ad? And that's when I realized that it's not normal to do that. So <laughs> what's natural to me is always to be critical and to always be thinking about how I would make this thing better. And I think that 
is kind of how I approach writing. So it's not like I'm sitting here and I'm like, I want to be the best at SEO or I want to be the best at building a personal brand or whatever. I'm just sitting here saying like, what's the content I want to exist? And then I write that. So I'll give you a tangible example. Thanks. I'm writing yeah. I'm writing a guide on how to start a podcast because I started a podcast during the pandemic. And it's from the perspective of a founder of a software company starting a podcast. So like, we're not trying to sell you a course. We're not an agency. We don't like care if you do things the way we do them. Like we record once a week, audio only. You could do twice a week with video. Like it doesn't matter to me. I'm, it's, I'm not, it's not gospel to me. It's just like, look, I'm an actual person who did not have the skill and I figured it out. And now I'm going to share it with you because I wish there was a guide I could just follow and checklist for me to just look through. So I always think of writing as a medium of exchanging value, not like I need to hit a thousand words because then it'll rank well. I'm like, mm. does the reader get value out of this? And it could be an email. Like, I think you have to be this critical about all of your writing. Yeah. And then it kind of gets to a place. So that's, that's one piece. I think the other piece is like, you have to be super honest when you're, with yourself when you start a company. And I'm not the type of person to get on a stage at a pitch competition and just pitch a crowd. I'm not the type to do cold outbound sales. I'm not the type to fly face to face and close $100,000 deals. I know uh -huh. that. I know that I'm better building a brand on LinkedIn and writing awesome content and having one-on-one -on -one product demos with people. So you kind of be honest with yourself and you find, you find the struggle that you can um, continue with instead of trying to forcing yourself to be something that you're not. Um, does that, does that help? Yeah. Can you, can you repeat that one more time? You said find the struggle that you're worth. What was it? Find the struggle that's you're comfortable repeating. So writing to me is not easy. It's not fun. A lot of the ways when I'm writing, or frankly, I'm editing the podcast, I'm halfway yeah. through and I'm like, why did I make myself do this? Right. So, but you keep pushing through because you like the resolution. You like the published post or the published episode or when someone gives you positive feedback. It's right. really difficult for me to write. And this is coming from someone who writes two to 3,000 words a day, every day. Like hmm. it's not gonna be easy, but I know that I'm good at it. And I know if I keep practicing, I'll get better. Um, you mentioned briefly, like, what if you don't see the results? Yeah. I think you can't expect the results. I think, and this is coming from someone who runs an analytics company, right? Like uh -huh. you kind of just have to go on blind faith sometimes. When we started a website, we had no traffic. When I wrote the first blog post, we had no traffic for months. When I did outbound initially, nobody wanted to talk to me because I didn't have a compelling way of sharing our value. And it's weeks and weeks and weeks of iteration and trying to get you across the finish line. And I think it's very important because founders think because they're smart that it's going to be easy to start a company. And sure. for me, like smart and working hard are completely separate from one another. And a lot of the times in a startup, it's can you get this project across the finish line? Not how intelligent are you and how inflated is your ego? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, uh, I guess looking outside, outside in, it just seems like you take somebody with, uh, no offense to Earl, since you have a Stanford degree, Earl, but uh, just, you know, somebody from an Ivy League or something like that, and you, you kind of go into a factory and you kind of like, uh, you know, insert traits or like if you were to build a founder, like what qualities would you have? And kind of maybe the stereotypical idea is someone who, who um, went to Berkeley or something, right? Like, but uh, you know how you mentioned uh, working, working hard is different from being smart. So that's, that's cool to think about. Yeah, I, I think like, and this is coming from like, I'll be honest, I did well in school. Um, 
but I think like school prepares you for more school and work prepares you for more work. And I think there's certainly skills. Like I'm happy I learned. You're right. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm happy I learned what I did in school. I'm glad I paid attention. I'm, I'm glad I made the connections I did, but like none of it directly prepares you for starting a tech startup. And I think tech startups are so different than other companies. Like if you work at a place for a long time and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go build another instance of that. That's different. Like barbershops, restaurants, Uh consulting firms. Those are different because you can learn. You can talk to people. You can work there for five years and then start your own. Um, And it's largely the same. Tech is so different because by definition, you have to be novel and you have to be new and you have to be pushing the boundaries. And then that creates this really weird paradox where you're like, okay, do I reinvent the wheel with everything or do I only reinvent the wheel in certain areas? And then do I use industry best practices in other areas? As a founder, like I'm sure you guys will relate, like you're constantly struggling with this. Like, okay, our new website should just be a Squarespace website or should we build it custom? Well, I don't know. And I don't know who to ask, right? (laughs) Because half the people, like they'll give you different answers. And ultimately as a CEO, you have to make the decision. So if five people say just buy a tool, it's 30 bucks a month, you'll have a website. And half the people say, build your own website, it needs to be custom, it needs to have beautiful design, it needs to be, you know, it needs to have this functionality that no one else will have. What do you do? Like, you can't not make a website for eight months. You yeah. have to You have to move forward. And I think you have to be super comfortable feeling uncomfortable all the time because that feeling doesn't go away. Like now that I have a team and now that we're talking to people and now that we have some momentum, like it's still the same feeling. Um, so... I would say like tech startups in particular, especially if you're trying to grow like more than 100% year over year, it's really difficult to use school or other jobs as like something that's comparable. I was employee number one at a startup and then I started my own company and they're completely different experiences. For, for sure. I, yeah. Um, yeah. So Safa, quick question. I mean, tell us more about like maybe in your younger years, like when, you, when did you realize that you were a creator, you were an entrepreneur? Like, yeah, you know, because because I think what we saw uh, at least some observations with some of our guests before that sometimes it was a specific moment in their younger life that kind of was a spark. Did you have the same spark uh, when you were younger? Yeah, I don't know if there was a specific moment, but I remember as early as 10 years old, I knew that I wanted to start my own company. Um, I knew that I wanted to, I think it comes from like seeing companies being mismanaged or like hearing stories from people about like bad management or bad decision making. And it never sat right with me. So I remember being very, very young and being like, I'm going to start a company one day. Um, I was very entrepreneurial as a kid. I would tutor other kids in class for money. I would buy things at the store, like packs of gum or soda or candy. And then I'd resell them in school. And like, you're not supposed to do that. It's against school policy. So I remember every morning I'd show up to school and someone would hand me a detention. Um, literally every day for all of middle school. And it didn't matter to me because I'm like, I'm making $50 a week and this is pretty cool and I'm not hurting anybody. Um, So like there's that at a very young age, 12, 13, 14, this like disdain for authority and wanting to make like pocket money. Um, And I see that with a lot of my friends that are founders. Like maybe they didn't start B2B SaaS companies before, but like they have this mindset of like, I'm going to solve this problem or I'm not going to listen to the status quo that's important. Um, And I definitely had that from a very young age. I also think it's like, I'm very fortunate to have examples and role models I can look up to. Um, I'm Iranian American. My parents were born in Iran. I was born in the United States. There's a lot of Persian you know, founders or CEOs in Silicon Valley. We have family friends who started their own companies. My dad started his own consulting firm before I was born. Um, so I can kind of look to these people and say like, it's achievable. 
And I think that's underappreciated. Like to me, representation is very important. I always knew I could go to school, get a great job and start a company always. Like it was never an, an idea that I couldn't because I'd seen so many people around me do it. And uh, they were always champions for me, which I think like I get a lot of credit for like being a founder CEO, but like you never do it by yourself. There's a whole group of people. There's a whole community around you that kind of make all of this possible. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it takes a village as, as a lot of people mentioned um, uh, for you, like, what do you say was your most important skill throughout this whole time? Um, maybe on the, you know, you feel free to mention technical skill or, or, you know, soft skill or hard skill, but yeah, um, there's just so many things that you, you know, someone needs to do when it comes to the company, like running a startup or like in general, um, what, what, what would you say was yours? Yeah. Um, never thinking things are out of your grasp, I think is really important. It's super abstract. And I wish I can give you a more tangible one. Like I wish it was <laughs> like, you know, JavaScript, like I'm world-class at writing code. It's not true. Or like, you know, oh yeah, I'm like an expert at raising money. And like, we've raised $50 million. Like that's not true. Um, it's like this abstract thing of like figuring out. So I guess it's figuring out what to do next and then getting it done immediately. Like one thing I repeat often, and I plan to say even more in the future is like months and years don't exist. If you are an early stage company and you have a roadmap for years, you're just lying to yourself. Like you have to think in hours and you have to think in days. So when I wake up in the morning, it's like, okay, what do I have to do today? Like, I have to finish this blog post. I have to pay these people. I have to talk to this vendor. I have to figure out why this part of the sales process is not working. I need a better solution. And so I'll literally write on a post-it note, three or four things for me to do sure. in a day. And those have to have an impact immediately. I can't be like, you know, we're a bootstrap company. We're very early. I don't have like this ability to like take eight hours off and like walk in a park and be like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if in 2025, we'd launch this product? <laughs> like, like, no, no. If people do that really often, people call me and they're like, Hey, after I figure this out and after we get to a million users, what if, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you're glossing over eight to 10 years of hell if you're lucky. Right. Uh -huh. So I feel like relentlessly focusing on now and then picking those things that drive the business forward. And, you know, coming from someone who studied finance, that's being comfortable learning a bit of the technical side. Like, you know, I didn't know anything about DNS uh, when I was getting started, I didn't know anything about websites. I didn't know anything sure. about hosting and like, not saying like, I'm going to go hire someone and pay them because then you still don't know anything. You're just outsourcing it, <laughs> doing it yourself, like creating an AWS account, going to route 53, being like, what do all of these things mean? Googling it, creating documentation, taking notes religiously. Right. So like figuring out how to do something, taking notes on it, putting those notes in a easy to access place. So that next year, when you run into the issue again, you can go there and be like, this is how I deal with SSL certificates. This is how I deal with, you know, changing um, routes. This is how I deal with, you know, setting up a subdomain, whatever. And it's that times 50, right? It's that with accounting. It's that with paying bills. It's that with your website. It's that with your marketing. It's that with your hiring plan. It's that with your mission, your vision, everything, right? It's just this ability to like pick the ball up and drive it forward and not waiting until things are perfect. Just making progress and knowing that you're going to go home, you're going to go to sleep tonight, and a bunch of things are going to be broken, and that's okay. Hey, Safa, yeah. I would love to get your practical advice, because also we got a lot of folks here talking about kind of figuring out kind of by yourself versus, 
you know, finding, could it be your first co-founder, first employees, et cetera? Like, what is the point of, of I guess, you trying to do things by yourself versus actually also what you told, told in the beginning of kind of understanding your strengths and weaknesses and realizing, oh, by the way, like that's really something I need someone else for in the team, either as a co-founder level or an early employee, or maybe if you go bigger, just a team, right? Um, yeah. How do you think about that uh, as a founder? It's a really, it's a really good question. Um, it's difficult. What I say and what we do, not to say that this is like correct, but just, just to give you our perspective, I always say like the team members should focus on the product, right? So like product design, engineering, testing, that's what I want them focused on. They're so much better than me. They're going to create a world-class product. Like I'm, I'm convinced of that, but there's so many menial tasks that get in the way. I think of my role as preventing it from ever getting to them. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I almost think like, can I keep them out of almost every single meeting? Can I prevent them from having to worry about how much money we have in the bank? Can I prevent them from worrying about paying bills from about credit cards, about all the things that pop up? Can I just be that person who absorbs all of it so that they can just focus on product? And when we hire marketing people, it's going to be the same way. It's going to be like, look, I want this world-class sales or marketing person. I want them to drive revenue. I want to talk to them every single day about what we're doing to drive revenue, but I don't ever want them to have to worry about things outside of that. And I think for me, like whether you're a solo founder, whether you have co-founders, the founder role is to pick up all the little pieces of trash on the floor. The early employee role is to focus on a specific function in the company because it's not fair to treat someone like an early employee and expect them to care like a founder, expect them to to do all of the things that come with being a founder. Either you need to cut them in early and be like, look, you're a co-founder. Here's big equity. Here's, you know, how we're going to develop you personally and professionally. Or you have to say like, look, you're here to do a very specific task. You're core to the team. But all of these little things that come up, just push them back to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I think about it. Like I'm the one who started the company, right? So like, I can't think that I'm too good to figure these things out. Um, the other thing I will say is we should outsource more and we should hire, we should have a bigger team, but I think it's important to do the tasks yourself first. So you know how to, so that you can judge the work when someone else does it. Like if I didn't know at all how code worked and I didn't know at all how to build a product and how to design, I wouldn't really be that good as a manager trying to manage those people and, the, and those functions, right? Um, the example I give is like, if someone tells me like, I'm gonna code the front end in C++, like I know that doesn't make any sense. I know it's not coherent, right? Um, so you kind of have to know enough in order to be able to delegate and in order to hire in the future, you kind of wanna have touched all the different domains in the company yourself so that you can feel more comfortable. Um, otherwise, I think you're just, not giving great feedback to the people that you will eventually delegate tasks to and delegate decision-making to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more things here. Um, we, we'd love to you know, hear your take on is, uh, what was going to say, um, yeah, I mean, also going into what you said, I, I really value how you mentioned thinking in hours and days and, and being extremely tactical in that sense. Uh, when it comes to looking at the big picture and seeing the daily or weekly progress or how you assess mm-hmm. uh, success. Um, we talked, I think, um, a while back about how you you say to, you know, understand the effort or something like that versus compare, uh, compare in, in contrast with uh, 
results, right? Or something like that. Like instead of looking at the result, look at the effort. Or was something along those lines? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I know you bring up an important point. Um, so I think there's two things here when it comes to measuring things. Um, first, you want to build a process and you always want to point back to the process when there are failures. Right. I don't, I don't think it's productive in an early stage company to point fingers. And unless it's like egregious, unless it's completely obvious, right? Um, but if everyone's trying their best and no one has built this product before and you're out front and you're trying to build something and you're trying to get funding and you're trying to get customers and you're trying to make it all work, um, you, things are gonna break. Like, and things are gonna break in big ways. Um, I was doing a product demo once and our SSL certificate ran out during the product demo. Like uh -huh. that's just terrible timing, right? Or like someone will, <laughs> will ship an update and not communicate that the updates ship and then it'll break part of our API, but not the other part of the API. So like, I'm not sure if the product's functional or not functional. Um, so like these things happen, right? I'll be, one thing I'm very proud of is like, I've never yelled or gotten angry uh, at, at the team since I've started the company, like ever. It's never happened because I always have to remind myself like, this is difficult and we're all trying our best. No one is trying to do a bad job or no one's intentionally kind of undermining it. And the way to kind of force yourself to think that way is to think in process, right? So every time there is an issue, we just like have a quick call. We look and we're like, hey, how can we make a process improvement? How do we document that process? How do we make it so everyone's aware of the process? So we're pointing the fingers at a broken process, not at individual people, because you don't yeah. want people to kind of feel like that's okay in the early days, because that culture gets set in really early and it's really hard to get rid of it. So I think that's one piece. Yeah, the, other piece sure. the other piece uh, you mentioned about outcome is like, if you write a great blog post and you think it's awesome and you publish it and five people a month look at it, there's something to learn there, right? Uh, uh -huh. Either maybe you're not as good of a writer as you thought, or maybe you didn't do keyword research, or maybe you don't know how to link the post to other posts on your website or you know whatever, right? But you don't want to hyper-focus on outcome or hyper-focus on effort. I think you want to look at both of them back and forth. You want to be like, did this person do a good job? Did they try their best? Um, do I need to be more clear? Like when I'm giving requirements, do I need to be more clear on the expectations? And the other thing is sometimes you're going to try your best and things just aren't going to work. Um, I'll be honest, when it comes to writing content or publishing podcasts, I'm sure you guys look at the data the same way. Like, your favorite episode is not the episode with the most downloads or the most listens. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> the, the, the most researched article that you wrote, that's not the one that gets the most traffic. So you kind of just have to try and put things out there. And then you learn from the, the macro trends. You learn from like, oh, directionally, we're going in the right place. So let's do more things like these things. It's very rare that like you sit there and like you scheme and everything goes according to plan. And then you'll be like, we just have to duplicate this. A lot of it is like, getting directionally in the right way and crossing off things that you should not be doing and being like, Hey, this categorically did not work. Like talking uh -huh. about the business this way did not work. Let's stop doing that. Let's move in this other direction. That's slightly more favorable. And then we'll change our minds again in the future. Once the data tells us to, um, but I think yeah. people kind of look at things the wrong way. And I guess that's my approach to um, refocusing everyone um, to make sure that we're constantly like aligned in terms of goals. Good. So I guess Safa, uh, we have a few minutes here, but uh, we typically end this podcast with uh, a couple of questions uh, and two questions from my end is, you know, if you had to summarize your own personal startup mindset in one to two sentences, what would it be? And the second question is, if you had to advise your 20 year old self, you know, that just graduated from 
<laughs> from college, yeah. what uh, what would you tell him? Um, you know, at the time when you face him today. Yeah. So my 20 year old self, I would say, keep your job for longer, save more money, build traction before you leave. Uh, don't have an ego and kind of have this grand exit. So that, that's why I tell myself. Um, in terms of how I summarize my startup philosophy, starting a company is very difficult, but it's worth it. And I think the number one skill is never, ever giving up. There were months where I hated working and I thought it wasn't going to work. And I would literally stay in bed for hours. And well, that's okay. We should like, we should talk about that more, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not this amazing journey up into the right. Even if you're successful in the end, there's a lot of struggle along the way. Um, but to me, it's what I know I should be doing. And there's a lot of fun in, in kind of the sea of stress. So I think that's my advice. It's very difficult, but if you can't see yourself doing anything else, then you ultimately have to make the jump. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great sound advice. Uh, I think the one or two more questions here is, um, uh, do you have any books that have been favorites or that have, um, what's it called, given you knowledge and help along the way for, for uh, or even blogs or any, yeah. any resources like that? Yeah, so I'm sure a bunch of people recommend like The Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz or Zero to One by Peter Thiel and all of those. I think all of those are great books. Um, yeah. they're, they're very focused on startups and they're very modern. Um, weirdly, the books that I find the most value in are super old and about philosophy or psychology. They're not about you know tech startups. Um, so I think the Cyrus the Great book is great. I think Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I probably read that once a year for the past 10 years. And I think the third one I'll recommend is On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. So oh, sure. three books about philosophy, about sociology, about how people think about things that are timeless. Um, I think it's very important to build a culture and a product that's timeless. You don't want to ride waves. You don't want to be like, oh, everyone else is doing this marketing tech thing. So let me go do that marketing tech thing, but for cheaper. Um, you really want to build something that you can stand behind and that aligns with your personal values. I think I'm equally as obsessed with building a great product as I am about building a great working culture. And a lot of the reasons that I did not like the companies I worked in before was the culture. Not to say the culture was wrong, yeah. but just it just didn't fit me. So I think you want to spend a lot of time thinking about what are things that are universal to people and um, how do I build something that's going to last? How do I build something that aligns with you? Know, basically, how do you build something that you're proud to tell other people, not something that just makes you money? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, one more thing is uh, where, where can people find Alexa if they need that, that um, financial reporting service or follow you on a blog or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're e-commerce or DTC brand, you can find us at aluxo.com, A-L-L-U-X-O.com. Um, if you're a founder, want to be a founder, um, want to talk about anything relating to startups, the best way to reach me is LinkedIn. I don't really do other social media, but I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So it's just Safa Mazari uh -huh. on LinkedIn. I'm pretty fortunate. I think I'm the only person with that name. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's where you can find me. Um, and yeah, I, I talk to people every day. So um, would love to meet new founders. I think I talked to five last week. So uh, let's try and keep that up. Awesome, Matt. Thank, thanks a lot so much for the time. We, we learned a lot here. Thanks, Safa. Yeah. Dan, Earl, thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thanks. Hey, Safa, I'll, I'll post it on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll tag you and that's cool, right? Look at a video. Yeah, or yeah. absolutely. Okay, I'll, I'll also send you some stuff we wrote um, sometime soon. Just got to cool. organize it. Yeah, I, I'd love to edit it. Um, for me, what's, 
yeah, for me, like, just feel free to give me a specific task. Like, hey, can you look at this section? I can look through and make suggestions. Oh, and thanks we'll go so much. From there. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Thanks. Cool. And, Thank uh, you, guys. We'll talk touch. soon. Yep. Talk soon, Safa. Appreciate it. All right. Later. Peace.